Hello, Ronnie here. I mean, obviously, I guess who else would it be? And just letting you know that if you are a 12-ounce mouse fan, head on over to corndogcentral.com. This week, there is an event going on there for all 12-ounce mouse fans. There are some real 12-ounce mouse merch things available to win as prizes and all sorts of good stuff. If you are a fan of that show, which was made by Matt Malero, co-creator of Aqua Teen, then head on over there, corndogcentral.com, because this Tuesday, I believe, is what it's called Zoo Day. Now, look, I've never watched 12 Ounce Miles besides the first episode, so I'm not super familiar on all this, but I really think that all the effort that's going into this, it's all fan-made and everything, is really cool. So if you are a 12 Ounce Miles fan, corndogcentral.com, check it out. There's also a really good interview with some of the people who worked on the show there that I am enjoying a lot. Okay. Enjoy the show. This is a good move. Dancing. dancing is forbidden. Dancing is forbidden. Yoo-hoo, running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden in Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie, on this podcast, I am watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time, and the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is Season 2, Episode 6, Super Spore. Oh, damn, this is helping you out, bitch. Super Spore airing June 29th. 2003 and the media gods have blessed us this week because while last week's episode was pretty underwhelming in terms of the pop culture at the time and everything going on around it this week we are jam-packed with lots of fun stuff to talk about on top of an awesome aqua teen episode spoilers i liked it more than i thought i would i liked it more than i remembered liking it and we're in for a good episode this week i think and the main reason I am thinking that is because I was very fortunate and was able to get into contact with Brooks Brazelman, who was very kind to answer the questions I had for him. And in case you don't know who Brooks is, he is the voice actor for Travis of the Cosmos, our uh, villain, quote unquote, for this episode. So I have got some really interesting things that he told me to tell you later on. But all right, of course, as always, before we get to that stuff, we got some other stuff to talk about. First of all, gotta say, unfortunately... No new Aqua Teen news this week, and I'm tired of feeling bad for that. I'm always like, oh man, I got nothing to tell the listeners at all about what's going on with Aqua Teen, but that's not my fault. I'm not in charge of that, so I'm going to stop feeling bad for it. Hey, I'm there with you. I wish there was some news, but there's not. And I know you're sitting there like, Ronnie, why would you feel bad about that? I wouldn't expect you to. Well, I've got problems, I guess, okay? But it's all right. We'll get some news eventually. Any news about Aqua Donk side pieces, any news about the upcoming film this year, we'll talk about it when it comes out. So, all right, moving on to community stuff, I have found a new YouTube page called Studio Dude Shed, where whoever runs the page is taking Aqua Teen episodes and then cutting them down to about four or five minutes. So, kind of just putting all the good stuff together and moving the story along as quickly as possible. I think this idea is super interesting, and I watched some of the clips. It's kind of a cool new experience to see the episodes in. So I'll put a link to that channel in the show notes, of course. Give it a, give it a look if you want some bite-sized Aqua Teen. And on seeing that these videos are really popular, they're getting uh, tens to hundreds of thousands of views, I reached out to the guy behind the page and I'm like, hey, dude, I make an Aqua Teen podcast and I would be willing to pay you to put the link to my YouTube channel in your videos since lots of Aqua Teen fans are going there. 
And I'm like, hey, you know, can you put that Patreon money to work and hopefully you find some new listeners that way? And he responded saying, this channel is not for profit, but I'd be glad to help out. So he just goes and puts my channel in all of his descriptions just like for free. So super, super nice guy. Definitely go check out his videos. I don't know if people will click those descriptions and, and see the link, but I really appreciate the gesture. And I guess uh, time will tell if people can find the podcast while surfing through his bite-sized Aqua Teen videos. So again, always cool to see Aqua Teen fans doing some fun stuff with the show. So let's move on here. We have a voice clip. This one has sat in the vault for three months now, and it is very funny. I'm excited to finally play it. We have Dr. Weird and Steve leaving us a voice message. Let's take a listen. Gentlemen, behold my favorite podcast. Hosted by the incomparable Ronnie Neely. <laughs> hey, uh, Dr. Weird. What? What is it? Steve, uh, how can you behold a podcast? Because I thought they were like audio format only. Uh, I don't <laughs> think you can behold just audio. You, shut up. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> you fucking dick. Always nacing everything I create. You piece of shit, you create something like Inward Singing, you fucking shit. <laughs> but you didn't create Inward Singing. Oh. <laughs> My mind! So thank you to Dr. Weird and Steve for this. Dr. Weird's got a point. What has Steve ever done? It seems like he doesn't even help Dr. Weird with his experiments a whole lot. It's mostly Dr. Weird doing it, and then he shows it to Steve. So, good point from Dr. Weird here. I appreciate him uh, beholding this podcast. And supposedly, Dr. Weird invented inward singing. I'm not really sure what that is. Is that like, like, like that? Like that kind of inward singing? I don't know. But, uh, hey, Dr. Weird, you're the boss. And I'm glad to finally play this voice clip because we have a good Dr. Weird skit coming our way when we dive into the Aqua Teen episode this week. But before we do that, let's see what the heck was going on this week in the United States, because it's some crazy shit. Doing crazy stunts and looking good doing it via Charlie's command, riding their dirt bikes and shit into the box office this week. We have Charlie's Angels full throttle, bringing in $37 million. This film these days, with a 4.9 out of 10 on IMDb and a 41% on Rotten Tomatoes, this is the second Charlie's Angels film in this reboot following the 2000 film, which scores a little bit better these days. This film stars Cameron Diaz, Lucy Liu, and Drew Barrymore. And watching the trailer, I don't know that I saw this one. I think I saw the one that came out in 2000. But watching the trailer, it seems like a decent enough time. I like all three actresses. There's other actors in the movie that I like as well. Hey, I'm sure it's fine. It's a dumb movie, but uh, not everything has to be fucking Schindler's List, okay? Having said that, I have no plans to actually see this movie, and it looks like they were going to make a third film in the franchise, but it was eventually canceled because of the poor reception of this one, even though it did quite well in the box office. I mean, as you can tell, based on the fact that this week it is the number one film in theaters. But you know what movie also came out this week and wasn't number one in theaters? In fact, it was only in two theaters this week. And look, before I tell you this movie, I have one simple question for you. Do you understand life? You are lying. I never hit you. You are tearing me apart, Lisa. 
Why are you so hysterical? That's right. Oh, hi, marking its way into two theaters in Los Angeles on the 27th. So two days before this episode of Aqua Teen airs, we have Tommy Wiseau's cult classic The Room coming out. And the reason I'm talking about it is this is my favorite movie of all time. Of course, I didn't see it when it came out. I didn't see it until about 2010. And real quick to explain how I saw this film. So I had seen it mentioned online somewhere. I'm like, oh, wow, that sounds funny. And this is back when Netflix did DVDs. I'm like, hey, mom, can we get this DVD on Netflix? She's like, sure, we get it. So it comes in the mail. I sit down to watch it with my mom. And that's quite the awkward experience at 16 years old to watch this movie with like seven awful sex scenes in it uh, with your mom. But hey, thanks, mom, for letting me get it because it uh, quickly became my favorite movie of all time. I have seen it countless times. I've seen it in theaters a few times. I've seen it in theaters with Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero. And just really, really, really love this one. And this is kind of similar to Aqua Teen because Aqua Teen changed my life in that it really made me accepting of weird humor like they have in the show. And with The Room, it really turned me on to these bad movies that are just hilariously bad. So I don't want to say too much about it because as I've mentioned, Calvin from the You Show show and I will talk about this movie at some point on his podcast because he's going to be doing this series called Film Fight where you put up two similar movies against each other and kind of argue for them. He will be arguing for The Room. I'll be arguing for Troll 2. What we will be arguing, I don't know. Uh, you know, which one is the best worst film, which one on its own is the best film, uh, whatever. But The Room is my favorite movie, but I think Troll 2 has some merits. But yeah, I don't want to talk about The Room too much here because hopefully you will go over and listen to that podcast whenever we can get to it. And I also want to point out that The Room is kind of Adult Swim adjacent because it was played on Adult Swim in 2009, I think, on April 1st, April Fool's Day. So, hey, this sucker's totally open for me to deep dive at some point over on the Patreon feed. If you haven't seen The Room, you gotta see it. You just gotta see it. It's, it's the best thing ever. There's nothing quite like it. If you like Aqua Teen, there's a chance that you would like The Room, I think. So speaking of Aqua Teen, there is no shared cast or crew between The Room and Aqua Teen, but someone was in Charlie's Angels, Full Throttle, and Aqua Teen, and that man goes by the name Schooly D. So one of Schooly D's songs was used in the Charlie's Angels movie, and Schooly D is all over Aqua Teen, not only in the intros, but in these uh, transitions that he does in a lot of the episodes, which we get in this episode of Aqua Teen Super Spore. Anyways, speaking of music... What do we got going on this week in terms of music? What is our number one album this week? Let's check it out. I was standing in the rain. I thought about you. I was riding on the train. I thought about you. Feeling high like I seem to do. Every time I think about you. We have Luther Vandross with his 13th album, Dance With My Father, and unfortunately this was his final album because he passed away two years after its release. Dance With My Father, though, selling over 442,000 copies this week. Not a bad way to go out, but just unfortunate to lose him. I know he was a very big figure in the R&B scene, but... I, I gotta say, I'm not that familiar with his music, and I was totally ready to dunk on this album based on the name Dance With My Father. I was like, are you kidding me? But when I heard this song, Think About You, I was like, wow, this is actually really nice, and I am missing out. I need to look through his discography now. Most of his solo work was released in the 80s, so uh, a little bit before my time, but I will definitely go through and listen to that. I'm looking forward to it. And of course, just sad that he passed away. He was only 54. So that is our top-selling album this week, but we had another album come out this week that I want to touch on really quick. 
five days before this Aqua Teen episode aired, one of my favorite albums came out. Let me play a little bit for you. Oh yeah, we've got the Mars Volta with Deloused in the Comatorium coming out on the 24th of this month, just five days before Super Sport airs. And yeah, one of my favorite albums, really cool blend of progressive rock and Latin music, I suppose. Just a really interesting album and same with, I guess, all of their albums. But Mars Volta, the two main people in the band before this band, they were in a band called At The Drive-In, which you may be familiar with. So They uh, quit that band and they started up this bad boy and put out one of the best progressive rock albums of all time. Definitely give it a listen. Like I said, it's a really interesting mix of progressive rock and some Latin rhythms and all that good stuff. Just just really fun. And if you're a Red Hot Chili Peppers fan, Flea plays bass on that one. So pretty cool. So moving on, what is our top song in the United States this week? All right, that's enough of that. We have Clay Aiken with This Is The Night. Clay Aiken being the season two winner of American Idol, back when it kind of maybe seemed like American Idol could actually make stars. I think he was probably one of the last, you know, in season two that was already running out after season one. But I do not recall this song. I remember Clay Aiken, but, uh, you know, I was a kid when American Idol was on in, in the second season, at least. So I don't remember a whole lot of that. I remember it was between him and Ruben Studdard. I believe Ruben Studdard won, but uh, I feel like Clay Aiken a little bit more popular than Ruben Studdard at this point, but maybe not for good reasons. But this song itself, uh, it's fine. It's it's exactly what you would expect an American Idol winner to make who isn't uh, Kelly Clarkson or maybe there's someone else I'm forgetting. But I don't even know if the show is still on anymore, but uh, it doesn't really matter. So, yeah, that's our top song this week. And moving on to our top alternative song, our Billboard alternative charts, it's still Trapped's Headstrong, which I believe this is our last time talking about it because of the two-month jump we are about to have between Super Spore and Super Sirloin, the next Aqua Teen episode. But all right, let's move on to video games. We actually have a decent amount of stuff coming out this week. But none of it is super notable. I think the most notable thing here is Advanced Wars 2, Black Hole Rising, coming out on Game Boy Advance. I know that Advanced Wars 2 are very, very popular strategy games. But uh, besides that, we have Wario World coming to GameCube. So that's uh, exciting, perhaps. Otherwise, though, a lot of smaller stuff. Oh, I guess uh, Mega Man Battle Network coming to Game Boy Advance. Lots of stuff coming out on Game Boy Advance this week. One thing I want to talk about real quick is Buffy the Vampire Slayer Wrath of the Dark Hole King comes out to Game Boy Advance, getting such great reviews as GameSpy saying that it is the worst Game Boy Advance platformer. So I think that tells us all we need to know. Most uh, spinoffs of TV shows are never going to be good. And I am not surprised to hear that this Buffy the Vampire Slayer game is, uh, you know, no different. So that's it for video games. Just a lot of stuff, but uh, nothing super, super notable. Nothing that needs to be talked about. So, all right, it's June 29th, 2003. You just saw The Room in theaters because you love bad stuff, and you are ecstatic that Clay Aiken has a new single out because that's bad and you like that too, and you are going nuts 
for this Buffy the Vampire Slayer game because you are the embodiment of bad media. You are living it up this week. Well, what's coming on Adult Swim? Is, is it equally as bad? Let's find out. At 11 p.m., we get home movies with The Party. At 11.30 p.m., we get Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law, with X, The Exterminator. 11.45, we have Aqua Teen Hunger Force with Super Spore, a new episode, of course. As per last week, this is the only new episode that Adult Sim is giving us this week is Super Spore, which lucky for us, right? Luckily, we're not a home movies podcast. Luckily, we're not a C-Lab podcast. Because uh, we get to talk about The Room this week with the new Aqua Teen episode being bundled with it. At 12 o'clock midnight, we get C-Lab 2021 with Vacation. 12.15, Space Goes Coast to Coast with Glenn Campbell. 12.30, The Oblongs with Get Off My Back. 1 a.m., Reign the Conqueror with Unification Before Division. And 1.30 a.m., Lupin the Third Part 2, The Slight Before Christmas. So that's our week in pop culture. Hey. I think we're ready to jump into this episode of Aqua Team. Let's do it. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is brought to you by Do It All Night, Every Night. Are you sick of not even getting to first base? Buy this series of eight instructional cassette tapes and you'll be touching all the bases every night or your money back. Use the promo code Don't Be Such a Bitch. I'm in the running crew at checkout for 5% off your order. All right, I feel like that that one was kind of stupid. Anyways, this episode of Dancing is Forbidden is also brought to you by the wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden, where they are pledging one, five, or ten dollars a month to help support this show that you are listening to right now. At the five dollar and up level, you will receive extra content, including deep dives into other Adult Swim shows, the same way I dive into Aqua Teen. And also, at the end of every month, I am deep diving into the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters, the same way I'm diving into these episodes, of course. And then, as soon as we wrap that sucker up, we're gonna be jumping right into the new Aqua Teen film because at that point, it should be out. Otherwise, if you cannot support the show financially, but still want to help out and help the show grow and succeed, I suppose, then just sharing the show, talking about the show, posting about the show, it all helps out, puts a smile on my face, makes me a happy guy, and yeah, <laughs> share the podcast, I get the picture. All right, let's jump into this episode of Aqua Teen. Coming up next, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Super Spore premiering June 29th, 2003 with a TV 14 rating. So this one coming in with the 14 and it's no surprise why. There is a lot of cursing in this episode and this, this kind of marks the first one where that happens. There's other episodes, of course, that have some cursing in them, but this one, there's just a whole string of bad language unlike anything we've seen before. So that's a first for that. Of course, uh, later on in the show, they kind of pick up this attitude a bit more. But right now, it's kind of groundbreaking for the show because most episodes are rated PG, which is acceptable for children to watch with parental guidance. But I should point out, this is the first episode this season to air with a TV-14. Both Super Birthday Snake and Supermodel eventually got them, but not on premiere. I should mention this is the sixth episode to air as well as the sixth in the production order. So this one airing in the order it was produced, just like last week's episode, Supermodel. However, unlike Supermodel, we actually get a guest voice actor in this episode. We have Brooks Brazelman playing Travis of the Cosmos. That's right. We have a Villain of the Week episode. So really excited for that because, spoiler, uh, getting ahead of ourselves here, but, but Travis of the Cosmos, 
he forces the characters into these slice of life moments that I really enjoy, similar to old Drippy or perhaps Rami Locks, that kind of thing. He's not coming in and tearing shit up. He's uh, just trying to get by. So, all right, before we get into the episode proper, of course, we have our Dr. Weird skit. And this is another longer one, similar to last week. This one's about 20 seconds. And it opens with Steve standing there with a piece of paper. And he's questioning Dr. Weird, but Dr. Weird tells him to go through with the plan, which involves hitting Dr. Weird in the head with a wooden baseball bat. Dr. Weird's head just flies square off his body, and it lands next to a campfire that is randomly just going inside the lab with a chicken over it that is being cooked. And then his body still stands there, and a blue gas, I guess, starts coming out of his neck. It's very strange, so I had to explain that bit uh, just so you know what's going on, but... This, this one's definitely wacky. Let's check it out. Aaron, are you totally sure about this it one? It says to do it, Steve. And I wrote it. So it must be right. Okay, <laughs> well. <laughs> now wait for further instructions from talking hole in neck. Uh, 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 screw that. So, yeah, the, the body just falls down. I should mention that Dr. Weird's head, when it gets hit next to the campfire, it sets on fire itself. It's also out of the uh, hair helmet, he calls it, the glass dome over his head. That breaks when his head gets hit with the baseball bat. And yeah, the, uh, I guess, nude head, we can call it, sets on fire. So Steve just gets out of there. Total nonsense, total chaos, but really enjoyable. I like the expression that C. Martin Croker is bringing here to both Dr. Weird and Steve's voice. They're not as one-dimensional as they were in season one anymore. I love the Dr. Weird skits where Dr. Weird's plan is just for Steve to kill him, basically. Just never makes any sense. And at this point, you have to wonder who is funding this, because in the earlier episodes, it did make sense because they were creating things that you could see the use of, even if it was kind of dumb. But here, he's not even making anything. It's just, yeah, hit my head off and then my body will tell you what to do next. Uh, maybe there's some sort of technology there that they were trying to discover, but, uh, you know, with Dr. Weird, who knows? Considering in the last episode, he fucked a lawnmower. Anyways, moving into our main episode now, our Aqua Teen stuff, we open to all the three characters at Carl's pool, and we have Meatwad sitting outside of the pool asking if he can come in and go swimming because he just ate a bunch of hot dogs. But this scene really bringing me back to season one because at the beginning of season one, Meatwad always wanted to be in the pool and was never able to go in. So it's kind of a similar situation here. I kind of like how they're calling this back. It makes the characters more consistent with what we saw earlier in the show's run. To describe this scene a little bit more, we have Master Shake in the pool with his green floaty as always. And then he has his sunglasses on. And at the end of the clip, a pink tentacle-like thing is going to shoot out of nowhere, stabbing Shake in the back of the head, which knocks him forward, and his glasses fall off. So let's listen to this clip, and then, of course, talk about it on the other side. Hey, 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 y'all know what would be fun? If I get in that pool. And how long has it been since lunch? Well, four, four six seconds. And I just <laughs> saw you eat 40 hot dogs, didn't I? 40? <laughs> no. 48. <laughs> you have to wait 20 minutes, Meatwad. Why don't we let him in now? We'll watch him cramp up and get sucked into the filter and jam it all up. Shake. Shut the hell up. Why don't you make? 
So Meatwad has eaten 48 hot dogs about six seconds ago, so he cannot go in the pool because he will cramp up. And this kind of reminds me of being a kid where I was always so scared of like going in the pool too early and getting cramps, but it never happened. And even if it did, I, you know, it's not like a big deal. I think you would only get a cramp if you're actually swimming around super hard, which I don't think Meatwad really does. He just kind of floats in it. So I think he'd be fine. Anyways, though, Shake is like, yeah, just let Meatwad get in the pool so that he'll cramp up and get sucked into the filters or whatever, you know, whatever violence to Meatwad Shake would like to see happen. And then instantly after that is when he gets hit in the head with this pink tentacle looking thing. So let's go on to the next clip where we see the result of this tentacle thingy. Shake starts speaking Japanese. And I should mention, as soon as the tentacle went to the back of his head, his eyes would roll back into his head. So you could visually see something was wrong with Shake, even if you did not see the pink thing coming out of the back of it. And also, just a reminder that Frylock is responding to Shake saying, why don't you make, before uh, he stopped talking, the tentacle hit him in the back of the head. Let's see the result. Why don't I make what? I said make what? You still trying to think of what you want me to make, huh? Because I'll make it. Hey. Are you all right? Japanese. When did you start speaking Japanese? <laughs> so we don't really know what Shake was saying there. Frylax says it's Japanese. Uh, we'll get to it in a little bit, but the alien is not actually speaking Japanese. It's just supposed to sound like Japanese, but this is not subtitle or anything. But we do make out that the alien is saying 401k bonus package in this very rough uh, Japanese accent. Simply put, a 401k is an American saving retirement plan that the person's, a part of their paycheck goes into this, and then usually the employer matches it up to a certain amount. So it's just money going into a savings account that you save until you retire and are old and need the money. So that's uh, what the alien is kind of talking about here, and we will get more into that in a little bit. But but as this is going on, Meatwad he rolls outside of the pool because he never went in the pool. So he rolls on the ground over and he sees the long thing sticking out of Shake's head and he sees where it's coming from. So in this next clip, we have Meatwad rolling over to the Aqua Teen's house, which is where the uh, tentacle is coming from. And Frylock is heading over there as well. And Meatwad's kind of blabbering on and, uh, well, you'll hear how it goes. Yeah, so where did you get a tail? A tail? Yeah. Dragon's had tails and kitty cats and lizards. Could you and... please shut up, Meatwad? Uh-uh. I got a lot to say. <laughs> Whoa, who the hell are you? So Frylock and Meatwad head on over to the Aqua Teen's house, the side of their house furthest from Carl's house, which has the crawl space door there. The crawl space door is open. We went into the crawl space for the episode Love Mummy as well as Superhero. But in front of the open crawl space, we see a pink alien. It kind of looks like a blob. It has five eyes and they all look kind of sad. They're uh, very expressive eyes. The, the alien is pink, it has little spikes sticking out of it, around it, and then on the top of its head, it has kind of similar to Shake's straw, and that is where the tentacle-like thing is sticking out of. So this uh, opening on the top of its head is where this thing came from. So that's really what the alien looks like. It's a really simple design, but they do a lot with it, which of course we will get to. So we have Frylock asking, who are you? And the alien pulls Shake's body over to it because, again, its tentacle device is attached to the back of Shake's head. He pulls Shake over and uses Shake to kind of bodyguard the little alien, pushing Frylock away. 
At the same time, Meatwad is going to say, yeah, give me your tail, because when he saw the tentacle sticking out of Shake's head, he said, oh, when did you get a tail? So he's still referencing that. So that little segment was subtitled from Shake as the alien, I suppose, saying... Move along, nothing to see here. And of course, I mentioned this is not real Japanese. So let's see what Brooks Brazelman had to say about this, the voice actor for Travis of the Cosmos. The question I asked Brooks was this. Was the Japanese language slash accent for Travis of the Cosmos already in place when you joined on? Or was that your idea? Knowing Matt and Dave, I'd imagine it was in place, but figure it's worth asking. And Brooks had this to say. I was asked to prepare some Japanese gibberish for the character, so I pulled out a Pizzicato 5 CD where the lyrics were written in English and just tried to prepare some things that sounded Japanese. But when I got to the actual recording, they wanted me to change it to a different accent. I can't remember what it was, but that threw me because I was not prepared for another accent. I'm not that quick. They asked if I worked on Japanese and I said yes. So they let me keep it, quote, Japanese, Brooks put it in. And then he says, my apologies to all of Japan and all Japanese speaking people of the world. So, <laughs> yeah, Brooks kind of explaining the whole situation around that, which I found really interesting. I have to wonder if Matt and Dave wanted to change it uh, just for the heck of it, if they thought something else might be funnier or if they thought maybe this was too offensive. But of course, thank you so much to Brooks for filling in that insight. Uh, Pizzicato 5, by the way, Brooks mentioned that CD. He was looking at the... Uh, lyrics for the uh, Romaji versions of the lyrics, which is when Japanese is written in English. Pizzicato 5 were a Japanese pop band that ran from 1979 to 2001. <laughs> And when doing research for Brooks, I checked out his IMDb page. It said that this episode of Aqua Teen was his very first role in television or film, which turned out to be true because I asked Brooks uh, for more information on this to make sure it was correct. But a few of his other credits include other Aqua Teen episodes, for example, reprising his role as Travis in the episode The Last One at the end of the season, but also as the ghost in Kangorilla and the Magic Tarantula, which, which is a 2010 episode. So he will show up seven years later on Aqua Teen. And then he also played the voice of fake Patrick Swayze in the Squidbillies episode Swayze Crazy. Beyond that, of relevance to Aquatine, Brooks was in a lead role in the film Supercon, which was written in part by Dana Snyder, voice of Master Shake, of course. But beyond all this, outside of IMDb, a look at Brooks's resume shows he's super active in the theater scene, been in a ton of stuff, and that leads us over to the questions that I asked him. So I asked, okay, here's my hard-hitting journalism skills. How did you get involved with Aquatine? Were you friends with someone who worked on the show slash at William Street, or did you enter some sort of ad? And Brooks had this to say, I got the first Aquatine gig through one of my good friends, Dana Snyder, who happens to play Master Shake. Ah, nepotism. Dana and I met the summer of 95 performing in summer stock at Galveston Island Outdoor Musicals. We were in A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum together and have been great friends ever since. So Galveston Island Outdoor Musicals, uh, you know, you could kind of deduce is is a musical festival in Galveston, Texas. At least that's what I assume. And it looks like if this is that same festival, then they don't do it anymore, unfortunately. But yeah, that's where Brooks and Dana met. So that would be five years before Dana starts working on Aquatine. And a funny thing happened on the way to the forum being a 1962 musical that takes place, as you guessed, in Roman times. 
something familiar, something peculiar, something for everyone, a comedy tonight. Something appealing, something appalling, something for everyone, a comedy tonight. This little clip, courtesy of the American Music Theater of San Jose's 2000 production of A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. But yeah, Brooke's telling us that he got the role thanks to Dana Snyder recommending him. So hey, Dana Snyder hooking his man up. You love to see it because Brooks did a great job in this episode. My next hard-hitting journalism question is this. Were you familiar with Aqua Teen before being involved with it? Because I always find it fascinating when people join in in these early seasons when the show wasn't that big yet. I mean, of course, it was never huge, but but people kn- knew what it was eventually. But at this point, it's so, so bizarre. And uh, Brooks kind of lends to that. Brooks says, I only knew about Aqua Teen through Dana as he would go on and on and on and on about how wonderful he was on that show. And then he sends a uh, laughing, crying emoji. But you know Dana. <laughs> so that checks out. That falls in line with what I have heard about Dana Snyder anyways. You got to check out this show. I'm great in it. So that's really the gist of the conversation I had with Brooks. I really appreciate his time because as I mentioned on the show, a lot of the times I don't get responses. So I really appreciated him giving me the information that I actually should have been asking him for because uh, my question regarding the accent was pretty simple, but luckily Brooks expanded enough to where I actually got good information for you as opposed to the stupid question I asked. So again, thank you to Brooks. Head on over to brooksbrazelman.com for more information. Link to that in the show notes. Let's move on with our episode here. We have Frylock asking the creature, you know, who are you? And it's going to respond, of course, in this uh, faux Japanese accent. So he just says, I am Travis of the Cosmos. And then at the end of the clip, he will start, I suppose, urinating out of the spikes in his body. The color of this waste product being a darkish orange, which is quite gross. And before I throw us into the clip, I should point out that on the Aqua Teen Hunger Force fandom wiki, one of the trivia bits for Travis of the Cosmos is Travis of the Cosmos was named after the creator of AquaTeenHungerForce.com, which is ATHF.com, Travis Dangle. Now, that website is not up anymore. I was able to use the Wayback Machine, of course, to take a peek at it of what it looked like in 2002, 2003. And yeah, it's a really cool Aqua Teen fan site at the time. According to the website, I'm looking at their old news posts from 2002. They were mentioned in the New York Post. So they were, you know, pretty big. And, and from the hits that they published that they were getting was was pretty high. So this was a very popular Aqua Teen fan site back in the day. Unfortunately, not still around. So let's jump into this clip where Travis introduces himself. Huh. So he's using Shake as his vessel to communicate with us. Well, here, I figured that out. He don't got ninety eyes and no mouth. Where else he gonna talk? Through his butt? Meet what he won't have a butt. I mean, most aliens <laughs> recycle their own waste for fuel. <laughs> oh, obviously this one doesn't. So Travis doing a devilish little laugh as he, uh... Peas, I suppose, all over the place. Again, he has spikes surrounding his body, so the pee just goes everywhere in a full 360 coverage of the yard. Anyways, in this next clip, Travis is going to speak in what is supposed to be Japanese. I will read you everything he is going to say because it is subtitled, but I want to point out that while he's talking, he kind of like intermittently slams Master Shake into the ground, which I think is really funny and just random. So let me read you real quick what Travis is supposed to be saying. I have traveled many light years so that I might attain a career on Earth, possibly in retail, but I'm still feeling out the job situation. 
Ideally, it would be a staff position with insurance and hopefully 401k. I haven't been to the dentist in five years. My breath smells like a sack of buttholes. So give me a job now or I will leave in peace with every one of your eyeballs digested inside what I ironically call a body. So that's what he's going to say in this next clip. I'm going to play the faux Japanese just because it's really funny. This this mix up of Japanese sounding words. And then at one point, I, I swear he says like sack of potatoes and stuff. Just just really silly stuff. So I'll play that as well. I swear it sounds sometimes like they are just reversing what he is saying too. It's just very, very strange language here. But what Travis does say is he's looking for a job. He wants nice benefits like 401k, insurance. He needs to go to the dentist. And, you know, that itself is funny because they establish he doesn't have a mouth. So what does he need to go to the dentist for? But also at the end, he says, so give me a job now or I will leave in peace with every one of your eyeballs digested inside my body. So, yeah, he uh, threatening some violence here. But besides that, Travis is pretty harmless. He says he would do this. Maybe he would. I don't know. But otherwise, he's he's uh, not socially appropriate in the episode, but he doesn't really seem to want to cause harm. Yeah, he's harming Master Shake, but he needs to do that to talk. Anyways, Meatwad is going to ask what Travis said, because while we got subtitles, Frylock and Meatwad did not. What is that? Well, my Japanese is a bit rusty, but there was clearly something stated about fish drama. <laughs> Real quick, I'm just going to say that was Travis angrily saying, did you understand what I just said? That's odd. Apparently the fish are slanted and require beards. Must be some sort of a religious... That is Travis saying, wait, wait, what are you telling him? Oh, now I understand. It's a marriage proposal. So Meatwad is going to handle the wedding proposal. I apologize on this character speaking another language. I mean, I guess that's not my fault, but I know it's a little tedious for me to have to describe everything he's saying. But there's not a whole lot of that, luckily, so we'll uh, get past it pretty soon here. But Meatwad is going to handle the situation because Frylock, as we have learned, his Japanese is not good at all. It's it's like he he should not even know it at this point because this isn't helping at all. He is telling Meatwad all the wrong things. And it seems like Travis is catching on to that fact somehow. So here is Meatwad about to handle the supposed marriage proposal that Frylock suggested. Now listen, we've been through some good times together and I will always cherish that. But we do not want to marry you. We still want to date around and see other people. Meatwad, please. He's not going to understand that. Toke tabanjo no nanako sveturuki. He agrees. Or he disagrees. <laughs> Alright, so in Japanese, Frylock says, Slippery breath inside banjo melted. Runny smoky. And then Travis responds, Uh, sure, okay. So that was their uh, conversation that we couldn't understand. After this, Travis retracts his tentacle device from Master Shake's head. So Master Shake is about to regain consciousness. Over at the side of the house. Remember, he was in the pool the last time he was conscious, so he will understandably be wondering what is going on. And on top of that, he is now standing next to Travis, this alien creature, so he will wonder what that is as well. Oh my god, my head. Who are you? I'm back away from her. She's psycho. <laughs> Unless you're ready to settle down, having some yarns. I can't 
commit to that? I'm young, I'm hip, and I'm single. I'm a tiger out there. You don't put a leash on a tiger? Plus, that's not female. Look at it. No boobies. Shut up, Shake. He's trying to say something. Yeah, I'll tell you what he's trying to say. I need somebody to kick me in the ass so I can get the hell off your land. That's what you're trying to say, right? So as you can hear, that is Travis re-infiltrating Master Shake's brain. And while Master Shake is insulting poor Travis, he looks so sad. His eyes get really expressive again. He looks like he's going to cry because Master Shake is just tearing into him. And I love Meatwad misgendering Travis. I love that about this show. Like when Master Shake calls Meatwad ma'am or Meatwad here saying that this is a woman. I mean, you know, how could you tell? Because uh, old Travis is quite amorphous to us earthlings. But hey, it happens. I love the flow of this scene. I like how Shake comes back to consciousness and he instantly is like, oh, I can't be tied down. Like he just joins right in on the scene, not questioning anything and almost surprising that he wouldn't just take what he could get if he did think Travis was proposing because, you know, Shake says he, he has luck with the ladies, but we've never seen it. But all right, coming up in this last outdoor scene, we have our last bit of translation that needs to be done. I will just translate it afterwards. It's not very important. It's just Frylock saying something. And remember that Travis has taken over Master Shake's mind again so that he can communicate. Thank you. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. What I mean to say is, nonjai, jambu, nonjai. So Frylock means to say thank you, but according to the subtitles, he is saying, suck it, suck it dry. Uh, thank you in Japanese is pretty easy. I'm surprised he got that wrong. It's just, it's just domo arigato, which, you know, is uh, popularized by the band Sticks. I figured Frylock would at least know that one. Although I suppose with the Sticks reference, uh, we, we should really count on Carl to know that. So before I got in contact with Brooks, I asked over on the Dancing is Forbidden Discord server, which you can join that via the link in the description, because we have a couple Japanese speakers there. And I asked them, hey, in this clip, is the alien actually speaking Japanese? Because I assumed he wasn't. I mean, obviously he wasn't, but I wanted to get clarification on this. I didn't want to just say he wasn't without fully knowing. And our friend Speedbeats responded saying the alien is all gibberish, but the lines from Frylock when he's trying to speak Japanese to the alien are more or less what the subtitles say in extremely broken and poorly pronounced Japanese. Like for the suck it dry line, he says nunjai twice, which basically means drink it all as a command. Not sure what the part that sounds like Janbu in that line is supposed to be, might just be added gibberish to make his Japanese seem even worse. Nonjai, jambu, nonjai. So thank you to Speedbeats for that, really appreciated the insight. But yeah, that's the last of our subtitle scenes. We are now moving inside the Aqua Teens house where Travis is listening to some English tapes, or at least that's what they are suspected to be. And you'll notice the voice on these tapes, pretty familiar because that will be our Dave Willis. So let's check it out. Yesterday was a good day. For a birthday. Yesterday, good day, birthday. Oh, I'm impressed. He seems to be picking us English up pretty fast. I mean, it took me forever. Me still don't does it right. <laughs> Do me. Yeah, I just wish there was a better way for him to talk. Without Come just, you know, puncturing someone's skull. Yeah, I tell you what. He tries that at the rotary, he ain't gonna cut it. <laughs> I got infection from them rental skates. That's why I don't skate backwards anymore. It hurts. Yeah. <laughs> you are interested in this. So that is Frylock just not caring about Meatwad. And he has said that a couple times now. Meatwad has been pretty, I don't want to say aggressive, but a little forceful with what is on his mind, what he is thinking about. And I actually really like that from him. At the beginning of the episode, when he is kind of like, no, I didn't eat 40 hot dogs, I ate 48. Then when Frylock and Meatwad are following the tentacle and Meatwad is going on about something and, and Frylock says, shut up. 
And, uh, and then here now, he's going on about the roller rink, and Frylock clearly just does not care. Which is funny, I feel like we've all been in that situation uh, on both ends, where you're talking and you can tell the other person isn't really listening and they don't care, or when someone is just blabbering on to you about some stuff. And I really like the writing here because it kind of encompasses what it's like to be a kid, because sometimes a kid will talk to the parent and you can tell the parent just doesn't give a fuck what this kid is talking about. And similar situation here. I don't think I mentioned it, but if I didn't, then Travis is sitting in Frylock's room listening to this tape on headphones coming out of Meatwad's boombox. And then this conversation between Frylock and Meatwad is them standing in the hallway looking into Frylock's room where this little study session is going on. But this tape kind of starts to take a turn into questionable territory. So let's take a listen to that. Don't be such a bitch. I'm a lawyer. Don't be <laughs> such a bitch. I lawyer. Do you understand? Me was number one. I'm afraid of him because I'm poopy pants. He's my doo doo. I don't need doo doo, but he makes it like he does. Why don't you come up to my room for a drink? Hey, boy, listen to me. I'll be nude. Come up to room for a drink. Nude be me. Before I get into anything else, I need to mention this visual error. You will see on the close-ups of Travis a lot of the time that the image they are using of Frylock's room isn't big enough to cover the whole screen. So at the bottom of the screen, there is a big black line where uh, the image doesn't fill out, which is funny to see. It's kind of funny here that Dave Willis is playing a very similar character to the captain of the tar boat who, you know, wanted people to get nude with him and and here, in a similar voice on this tape, he is uh, teaching other people how to say, let's get nude. But as you heard, this tape gets a little risque, and Meatwad comes into the room and tries to get Travis to have Shake say some, some funny stuff, because Travis controls what Shake can say, but Travis is not here for it. He just keeps listening to his tape and trying to pronounce the sentences he is given by the tape, not by Meatwad who is just up to some nonsense here. But Frylock hears Travis saying this bad stuff, so he comes over to investigate. So, how are your lessons going? Shut up, bitch! Get beer for me, lawyer! <laughs> what? What did you just say to me? I need 401k! Oh, I think I know Anything? what you need. You're going into a timeout. Please, me so sorry. You look good in dress. You look better on my floor. <laughs> Who got these language tapes? <laughs> you bitch. So then Meatwad goes to hand for like the language tapes, which are called Do It All Night, Every Night. And on the cover, we have a guy with a mustache who has two babes in his arm. One girl with black hair in a yellow bikini and then a blonde girl in a red bikini. And yeah, he has a drink in his hand. It says, as seen on TV, and then some of the little blurbs say, meet actual women, get to first base, then touch them all, money back guarantee, and then eight cassette tapes. And then at the top left, there is some sort of um, company name, but I can't quite make out what it's supposed to say. But the point here is Travis is saying some bad stuff, and it turns out these tapes aren't even English tapes. They are self-help tapes to get women. What else are Carl Hell? Do it all night, every night. This is a self-help seminar. <laughs> Please do free mustache a ride. Get in that room. <laughs> Me nude. Nah, nah, by yourself. This is my good friend. So, yeah, that's Frylock yelling at Travis to leave Master Shake there. He can't take Master Shake into Meatwad's room for his timeout. He's been being a bad boy. He's saying some bad things, but Travis doesn't know. So, I don't really feel like it's right that Frylock is punishing him here because, you know, he doesn't really know what these words mean. He's just listening to the tapes that were provided to him 
And we learned that that I suppose Meatwad got the tape from Carl because Frylock wouldn't have given Travis this to learn from. And again, I'm loving the expressive eyes from Travis. He gives angry looks. He gives sad looks. He has his neutral look. You know, for a character that can't speak on its own, they do a great job conveying how this creature feels. And in this next scene, after Travis leaves the room, which I want to point out that when Travis leaves the room, he just kind of backs out, again, backwards, for lack of a better term. And that's something that you'll see on this show is because of the way that the characters look at the camera and because of the limited budget of the show, they can't have, you know, the character turn around. They just have it back out <laughs> while facing the other characters. And in this next clip, Shake is going to ask what happened, what's been going on, and Frylock's just like, oh, you blacked out, it's fine. Which, poor Shake here, you know, in the last episode, he got the short under the stick with Meatwad mentally abusing him. Now he's getting used and abused here as well, but it's always funny to see, and it, it's, it's nice to see Dana Snyder play that victim role as this character rather than just always being the one inflicting pain on others. But speaking of blacking out, I think I've blacked out once, and it was around the time I first started drinking when I was... 21. Yeah, that's right. I, I waited like a good boy till my birthday. And yeah, I just didn't know my limits or anything. I drank, uh, I remember drinking a ton and I was fine for the most part, you know, besides like the throwing up and stuff. But, but later that morning, I remember falling asleep. Like I'd woken up for a bit. I fell asleep on the couch. I was at uh, my fiance's, well, then girlfriend's dorm room and fell asleep on the couch there just because everyone else was sleeping in, in the bedroom. And then I remember just waking up in the bedroom in the bed with my girlfriend. So it's just really, really weird and just a, a horrible, strange feeling of not knowing how you got somewhere. Now, luckily, my story here is pretty tame. I'm sure people have way crazier blacking out stories than moving from the couch to the bed. But just, you know, moving somewhere and not remembering it at all is, is really jarring and disorienting. So I can only imagine how Shake is feeling because I think it's established either in this next clip or at some point in the episode that it's been happening. This has been going on for weeks of just blacking out and coming to. Anyways, moving on to our next clip here, we're going to have Meatwad get upset that Frylock is sending Travis to Meatwad's room. Oh, God, what happened? You blacked out. It's nothing. Go back to sleep. You're sending him down to my room. Meatwad, it's just for a few days. It's always just for a few days, Meatwad. You understand how long a space day is? 782 hours. Do I. <laughs> I want to enjoy my room while I'm alive. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's nice. And that could have been the roller skate king down here on Earth. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No. You don't, because I don't. So Meatwad's just going off here. He's talking again about his roller skating. Earlier, he was talking about the ice rink. And yeah, he's just he's just all stirred up and upset about the fact that Travis is using Meatwad's room. And because of that, he's going off on this big rant that he doesn't even know what the point of it is. There's a funny little exchange here where Meatwad asks, do you understand how long a space day is? And Frylock says 782 hours. And this is in response to Frylock saying that Travis would just be using Meatwad's room for a few days. But that's why Meatwad's like, well, do you know how long a space day is? So that makes a space day a little bit over a month, being about 32 and a half days. And obviously, space day just made up here for this episode because that makes absolutely no sense. Anyways, moving on from Meatwad's little acting out scene there, we have Master Shake asking some questions because, again, understandably, he doesn't know what's going on. Hey, how come there was just morning... Now it's like nighttime now. Well, because you got yourself infected by an alien s'more. I got the what? <laughs> no, no, you didn't. You know Meatwad, he's full of stories. And it's a spore. Meatwad messing up instead of saying spore, he says s'more. And yeah, for some reason, Frylock is trying to cover this up. He doesn't want Master Shake to know what has been going on. 
But yeah, Frylock flies down over to Meatwad and kind of goes in his way, blocking him from Master Shake for some reason. Just just to really get across the point here that he's trying to keep all of this a secret. So let's jump back into the scene where Master Shake has some more thoughts on all of this. You know what? Some crazy nutjob broad must have slipped me in one of them uh, date drugs. <laughs> must have been. Gotten me loaded. Had her way with me. It's a problem. I'm too attractive to women. I know it makes you mad. Yes, it does. But listen, there's nothing for us to fight about. It's all good in the hood, you know what I mean? I know, I know, it's cool. You'll get your own girl one day? Fat chick! Excuse me, a little something in my throat. That is Master Shake thinking he's just getting all this action. While he is passed out, there are women trying to drug him so they can have their way with him because, you know, how else can women get his hot body? And I love this whole episode with Master Shake because even though he doesn't have a lot of lines, everything he says is very funny. The way he jumps right into the scene with, oh yeah, I get babes, this and that. He's just fully absorbed in himself. And I really like when he's absorbed in himself this way. Like the episode doesn't revolve around it, but we get a lot of it in like the few times that we see him, which is funny. And it's funny that those are his explanations for this. Not, oh, there's something wrong with me. Someone is drugging me for nefarious purposes or whatever. It's just, oh yeah, it's women who are drugging me to make love to me. Which I suppose is normally a nefarious purpose, but for, for Master Shake, it's not. As long as it's beautiful women doing it. So the scene ends there with Shake insulting Frylock. I guess in a way, if you consider this an insult, saying that he will only get a fat chick. Which, hey, if that's Frylock's type, then, then more power to him. Because, you know, Shake has gotten zero chicks. But alright, yeah, to recap... Shake doesn't know what's going on, and he is just creating his own reality for what is happening. From there, we cut to a Schoolie D transition. We have Travis of the Cosmos kind of dancing around in front of that Aqua Teen background, for lack of a better term. You know, the brick wall with the graffiti on it. I love these little segues because they never actually go to this place in the show, but it will show them in this spot, you know, for these transitions, which is really interesting. Anyways, to this transition, Meatwad comes in, he starts dancing next to Travis. Travis doesn't like it because he sticks out his tentacle thing into Meatwad and starts slamming him into the ground. I ain't never seen nothing like this, baby. Travis really not looking enthused when Meatwad jumps into the picture. So from there, we go into the Aqua Teen's living room, and I want to point out that the chair is not there and the TV is not there. Instead, we have a kitchen table here. This is our first time seeing this kitchen table. It will not be our last time. Which I love that they did this because you think that the table would be in the kitchen, right? There certainly seems to be some room for a small table. It's kind of crazy to think that they would move everything in the living room every single time they were going to eat a meal and bring in this table and everything. But I suppose, you know, if they don't eat meals a lot, then it wouldn't be that big of a hassle. I guess they're breaking it out for their guest. But to describe more of this scene, we have Travis sitting on a chair, but between him and the chair is a bunch of books just holding him up so that he can be at the height of the table since he's really short. In front of him is a huge pile of pancakes. This thing is probably like a foot and a half tall, two feet tall. It's a pretty tall pile of pancakes here with some syrup on top. And then there's a couple cups on the table, some maple syrup, some salt and pepper, and then some sort of basket with some more food in it. I want to mention real quick, the table is just square, and there is a red plaid table cover over it. So they are all out here having breakfast, and by they, I mean Travis, Frylock, and Meatwad, and Shake comes into the scene. Hey, morning, everybody. I just got a little he What are you doing here? <laughs> Did I not tell you yesterday Actually, that I didn't want... Actually, it was about two weeks ago. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, whatever I did, whenever I did it, it stands. <laughs> Let me straighten you out here, Sponge. It's give and take around here. You give it to me, and I'll take it. Okay, go ahead. And you ain't doing much for me, so I'm... That is Frylock giving permission to Travis to take over Shake's mind, just to shut Shake up, and also so that Travis can communicate with Frylock and Meatwad. So we heard Shake just going on this tirade where he's like, it doesn't matter when I said it, because he just found out that he, he thought he said it yesterday, but it was actually like a week ago or whatever. He's like, oh, it doesn't matter when I said it, it still stands. He's just confident in himself, confident in his position, even though, you know, yeah, he's just not questioning uh, why it's been a few weeks. But regardless, that is put to an end really quickly when Travis takes over his brain. All right, now show me which utensil you use to eat this. <laughs> oh, he eats just like an insect. <laughs> no, I thought this guy because it thinks it's cool. You like it, that bitch. <laughs> it is cool. <laughs> it is cool. You my bitch. <laughs> so Travis is getting very vulgar, but what he starts doing is spitting this kind of acid out of his, uh, oh, I don't even know how to describe this, just the bottom of his body. It's not out of his spikes that he urinates out of. It's out of his flap on his bottom that he uses to move around with, I guess. But yeah, he starts throwing that liquid onto the pancakes and they're melting. I gotta say, this melting effect that they do is very practical and it looks very good. I'm really impressed by the melting of the pancakes. And Travis gets carried away because he starts throwing this acid onto Master Shake's hand and it melts his right hand. And Meatwad is giggling and says it is cool when Travis does that to Master Shake's hand. So that is Meatwad reveling in physical harm to Master Shake. Same thing as last episode, so I like that consistency. So let's continue with this scene. Keep in mind that Master Shake's hand is gone now and it is smoking a uh, kind of green smoke, at least where the hand used to be. And when I jump into this clip, I want to point out that visually we see parts of the table and they look fine. But then, like a second later, we cut back to the table and there's holes all in it. So this implies that Travis's acid went all over the table because the table is basically destroyed at this point. But in this Aqua Teen fashion, the way that it happens is just basically shot to shot. Same thing as in Superhero, when Shake was melting, in one shot he was totally fine, then they would go back to him a second later, and then you see he's like completely transformed. Rude! Are you doing this just to spite me? Oh, I try better next time. Please, uh, I'm a flapjack now. That's better. <laughs> I rule you. <laughs> so that's, that's Meatwad telling on Travis, who, uh, you know, fell into, I rule you. So maybe I was a little too easy on Travis when I introduced him, because he does have these bad tendencies, but... Overall, I, I don't think he's like a horrible character, although he did melt Shake's hand. I forgot about that part. And I should have mentioned, I forgot to when it was happening, but I needed to mention that when Shake is still talking, when he's making different facial expressions, you will see a black dot artifact on the side of his face, uh, like kind of floating away from his face when he's looking kind of angry. There's a little dot there. So when they pull out the angry Shake model, there's a dot that was accidentally left in the image. And similar thing with Travis here. We get a close-up of him, and there is a kind of floating line next to his head. Regardless, Frylock is about to give Travis a timeout again because he is being bad. He is using naughty language, and it's time for him to pay the price. You know it. I know it. Time out. He's got to go. And Meatwad tries to back Frylock up, but ends up messing up instead. That's it, mister. Time out for you. Uh. Damn. What did I just hear you say? I heard him. He said, damn, damn. Only adults like us are allowed to say, damn, bitch ass in hell. So get your hell and damn and ass back in that bitch and damn room, damn it. 
God damn, that's just helping you out, bitch. <laughs> so, so that is Meatwad aggressively runs after Travis, who is lugging Shake along to go to Meatwad's room. And then Travis is out of the picture. Then we zoom over to Frylock, who is standing there glaring at Meatwad. And then you, you heard the last little bit that he said. And one of the best Meatwad moments in the show, honestly. This scene is just so incredible, so fantastic. So from there, we instantly cut into Meatwad's room where we see Travis is in a chair pointing into one corner and Meatwad is in a chair pointing into the other corner. So Meatwad has also been given a timeout for all the swearing that he was doing. But what we need to talk about here is this shot is really strange. So we get this weird full shot of Meatwad's room because like I said, we have two different corners that need to be shown with these two different characters. But we've never seen a shot of Meatwad's room like this. Honestly, this shot almost seems like fan-made or something. It's just really bizarre to see this shot. I don't think we ever see it again. And we've seen before that Meatwad's room is much bigger than this. And for example, in the previous episode, Supermodel, we, we saw a window up against a wall that we hadn't seen before, at least uh, from what I can deduce. And yeah, like none of that's here. There's no windows in this shot or anything. It's just a really weird drawing of Meatwad's room. It makes me uncomfortable to see. We do see some sand on the ground and a bucket and a shovel in it. We also see Dewey laying on the ground, the toilet paper tube doll with some crayons next to it. Of course, we also get the infamous Meatwad grill that he sleeps on. And that's the gist of it. Just a really weird shot. Both of the chairs that the characters are on are all torn up and kind of taped together and stuff. Just stuff that they probably found on the side of the road. So let's jump in and hear what Meatwad has to say to Travis for getting him in trouble as well, even though it's not really Travis's fault that Meatwad acted out this way. Oh, and I, sh I need to mention that Travis is urinating this entire time on the walls. You shouldn't mouth off like that. You're insane not to we be free. Oh, oh, I said time out. That means no talking. Hey. Frylock having to be the uh, parent here, which is really funny. Now he has like two little kids kind of to raise. So not a whole lot to really say there besides what we've already talked about, though. It's just Meatwad telling on Travis for peeing on the wall. And then at the end of that clip, you probably heard that Shake comes in to talk to Frylock. So let's listen to that conversation in Frylock's room. How you doing? I think I need to go to the doctor. Because I've been losing long, long tracks of time and now, and I'm starting to just get a little freaked out about the fact that my hand is missing. <laughs> I can't find it. Shake, you'll be fine. That hole in your head will heal up in no oh, time. Oh, that's great. I'm sure it was drilled on one of those days I can't remember. Oh, no, no. It's more like a dimple, really. I mean, it, it makes you look cute, really. Like... Shirley Temple. I don't remember <laughs> Bojangles holding her brain in the back of her head as they tap dance together. Ugh. Your communication portal is pretty bruised up in there. <laughs> you can see in there. Well, that's fun. First off, I might not remember the last two weeks, but I know I don't have a portal. <laughs> Look, it doesn't matter what did or didn't happen. So Master Shake points out how he is missing a hand. He, You can see that he's kind of knows that he's going crazy at this point because all this stuff is happening to him. And Frylock brings up the connection portal, but then points out, oh, it's more like a dimple trying to appeal to Shake and his Hollywood sensibilities. Like, oh, it's like Shirley Temple. Shirley Temple being a child star from the 30s and into the 40s, I suppose. And Bo Jangles was the nickname of Bill Robinson, a tap dancer, and the two starred together in the 1935 movie, The Little Colonel. They were actually the first interracial couple to dance on screen. Gotta wonder how many people were mad about that. Anyways, 
Frylock dismisses Shake's concerns, which is kind of messed up of him to do. I don't know why he's lying about it. But he says, look, that doesn't matter. What matters is I made this. He's about to show Shake his new invention, which is basically a colander with some devices attached to it. And he explains that this will help Travis speak. And then after that, Frylock just tries to get Shake out of the house because Shake doesn't really follow any of this because he doesn't know what's been going on. He doesn't know that Travis has been using him to speak, yada, 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 all that stuff. The point is, I made this. What is that, for vegetables? Well, it translates brain synapses and neural skull vibrations into audible speech frequencies. Yeah, I got one of them too. It's called a mouth. <laughs> what's your point? Look, here's $5. Go see a movie. Hmm. Motion pictures are $10. Fine, here's 10 well, what about popped corn? Whatever. Damn, <laughs> just go. Wonder what's planned. Go. Fine. I know when to go. You know what Go! <laughs> so we really just go into a fun little joke there of Shake asking for more money from Frylock to go see a movie, get popcorn, all this stuff. And then you heard Frylock gets to his breaking point and just screams at Shake until he runs away. Little funny error there where we see it as Shake's right hand that got burnt off by Travis, but then when he runs out of the house, it is now his left hand, just because they switched that image around just to get him looking at the other side rather than draw it again or whatever. Nice of Frylock at least to give Shake some money to go see a movie, but I guess that's also out of necessity if he wants Shake out of the house because Shake doesn't have his own money to go see a movie anyways. So from there, we cut to the hallway by the kitchen where we have Travis with the colander device on his head. So let's listen to how that goes. Is that what I think it is? It's an NST, a neural speech transmitter. No, huh? It's my BNCS, my brushed nickel colander, stupid. <laughs> I take them wires off there and give it back. I need to drain my spaghetti. Me, why you don't cook? You sleep in this thing. Shut up, you got fetishes. <laughs> I think he's got something to say with his new helmet. Come on, you can do it. Just try. Come on, come on. How you doing? That's pretty much a dry <laughs> hole. So Travis has this colander on his head, which is also hooked up to a speaker, I should point out. That's where you hear some of that feedback noise. But Travis gets nervous. He's afraid to try it, and he ends up out of habit just sending his tentacle out to Meatwad to try and take over Meatwad to use him to talk instead. But yeah, as, as established, Meatwad doesn't have a brain, so it's just a waste of time. I like the little line from Meatwad about sleeping in the colander. He says, so what? You have fetishes. And we will touch on that later with Frylock, but I like that foreshadowing. So from there, Travis continues to try to use the helmet. And hey, if you keep trying, eventually you'll get it. Let's check it out. Go on, use the helmet. Uh, hello? Hello? Hello, Cleveland! <laughs> <laughs> Joke! It works! Yes! Yes! <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! What did I tell you? Oh, may I please go to the bathroom, please? Yes, you may. You do know where it is, right? Yes, sir! So that is Travis. He gets so excited that he uses the helmet that he just starts peeing all over the house, and that's when Frylight tells him to stop. Travis asks if he may please use the bathroom, and then Frylock confirms he knows where the bathroom is. We will get to that in a second, but during that scene, Travis says, Hello, Cleveland. This, I assume, a reference to the film Spinal Tap. Very funny scene where the band, it, it's a mockumentary about a band, and they are lost backstage, and they, they keep saying, Hello, Cleveland, like they're trying to get out onto the stage and ha keep up their energy, but they are just wandering around the backstage, not able to find the entrance to the stage. 
So anyways, yeah, moving on to our next scene here. That scene ends with Frylock asking, yeah, you know where the bathroom is, right? And then we cut to our next scene here. We are right outside Carl's house, and Travis is just peeing all over the house, all over his flowers, everything. So we're about to get a little bit of Carl in the episode. Not much Carl, but I appreciate they threw him in there for the little bit of time they had left. There you go. Thank you for your hospitality. I must now go on. To complete my mission. Well, I didn't even get your name. It's Travis. Travis! Hey, who's your dead friend? He's dead. Oh, you're leaving? <laughs> what are you doing? You haven't even urinated on all of my house yet. <laughs> so, yeah, Carl, he, he kind of pops up in the window and sees what's going on here. And then he breaks out and starts yelling at them and they just leave. That's it. I love the visual of Travis. He has this colander on his head, which is hooked up to a speaker. Like I said, it's a pretty big speaker. So he's got to carry that thing or rather drag it behind him as he is running away from Carl, who is saying that he is dead. He's going to kill him for peeing on his house. From there, we cut to our last scene of the episode. We cut to the Powerpuff Mall, and I need to point out here that the rabbit hole in the side of the mall is is not there. And this is a mistake, because when we see the mall later in this season, the hole is back. So it's not like it was fixed. It's just, uh, I guess they used the image of the mall before it got the rabbit hole broken through it in the first episode of the series. But yes, we are at the Powerpuff Mall, and Travis is here for an interview. So we have Travis sitting in a small room, the manager's office or whatever, and the manager is holding a resume with some sort of alien language written all over it. Not Japanese, which I find interesting. And I'll describe more after the scene, but all I need to mention besides that stuff is that, first of all, we don't see the manager. It's from his point of view. We see Travis sitting on a chair and he is peeing the entire time. He's pissing during this entire interview. And because of the pee hitting the speaker, which is in rough shape, it starts a fire. The office starts to set on fire slowly while this is going on. So let's listen to that. And then I'll describe the nitty gritty of the office when we're on the other side. I would say that uh, uh, perseverance, number one, aptitude, aptitude <laughs> attribute. Uh, I, people person, uh, work good with children. Uh, people like me because I force them to <laughs> with violence. Well, that's... Uh... Do you, uh, do you have any questions for me, or...? I rule you! Well, it was really nice to meet you, and, uh, I'll let you know in the near future if we start hiring animals. Thank you, Beach! <laughs> Suck it dry! So that's the end of our episode, and as you can tell, that is Dave Willis voicing the manager, so we get, you know, Dave as Carl, Meatwad, as well as the cassette voice, and the voice of the manager here. At least I assume that's Dave. I have to say, sometimes that Matt can do voices that sound really similar to Dave, but Matt is not credited on this episode, so I have to assume they are both Dave. I am not the best when it comes to telling voice actors, but I think we're pretty safe with this bet. The small room that Travis is being interviewed in, it's not super notable. It looks kind of just what you'd expect a kind of office room to look like. There's a time clock, there's a file cabinet, but what's strange here is that there is a knife in the door for some reason, like someone stabbed a knife or a dagger into the door and also there's a hole in the wall although i guess that's not like super suspicious but yeah that knife definitely raises some questions otherwise it's a pretty mundane office area but 
yeah, that's the end of the episode. We have Travis interviewing here. Clearly, he's not getting the job. He says people like him because he forces them to and all this stuff. And then he just starts cussing at the end as he's leaving after there's the big fire. And plus, he was just he was just urinating the entire time. There's no way you're going to get a job while you're doing that, even if you had all the best answers in the world. So before I wrap up this episode, give my thoughts on it as a whole, let's jump over to the Anime Superhero Forums where we can read some discussion from this very night that it aired and see what people were saying back in the day. So we have three pages of discussion on this one. Very popular episode. A lot of people really liked it off the bat. Lots of people giving it a rating of an A. People saying, I loved it, blah, 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 blah. We have Diana Gohan here saying... This was one funny episode, even though from the title, I thought it was a sequel to the old Drippy episode, but oh well. Beginning of the episode where Steve cut off Dr. Weird's head to shake, being controlled by Travis, the Japanese alien. It was funny to see Frylock not being able to understand what he said and made a helmet for him to speak with, and then Travis tried to get a job at the Powerpuff Mall. Wonder who was that guy who was holding the interview. So Diana brings up a good point here of this sounds like it would be an old Drippy episode because Super Spore you know, mold spores, you would expect it. Totally, I could totally see being upset by that, but still, this is a great episode, and Diana liked it, no worries. But I don't blame her for expecting it to be Drippy 2, Drippy's Revenge. Maybe he comes back somehow and kills Shake for killing him. Matt and Dave, get on it, boys. User Mr. Thunderclees had this to say, of course, Thunderclees being a character from the Brack show played by Carrie Means. Mr. Thunderclees has this to say, that had to be one of the funniest episodes of Aqua Teen. Travis was a great character. Meatwad made the episode for me, though. Everything that came out of his mouth was great tonight. Shake was deformed again tonight to complete the super connection, I guess. Great episode. So yeah, Shake getting deformed with his hand, being burnt off. And you know, I had to stop and think, oh, does Shake get deformed in every single one of these super episodes? But I don't think that's the case, because I don't remember him getting deformed in Super Computer. We had Carl getting his head all bruised up, but nothing really happened to Shake in that one that I can recall. But overall, yeah, a lot of episodes with Shake getting messed up, which is quite a sight to see. Always exciting to see whatever they can do to him next. I gotta say, there's lots of discussion here about the rabbit hole being fixed in the Powerpuff Mall, but, you know, we'll have to see what everyone said when they show it again, and it is not fixed. So that's really all there is to read. No negative comments about this episode. I wanted to read a negative one here, but everyone just liked it. Lots of great scores on this one from the old anime superhero community. So let's jump into my thoughts here. And I gotta say, season two needed this. Season two needed an episode like this. It needed kind of a callback to season one, but with more season two sensibilities. So by that, I mean, we get the returning villain here. It's like a really similar to a late season one episode where we get villains, but they're not really evil. They maybe have some evil qualities to them, but overall the Aqua Teens just kind of hang out with them and then the characters move on. And that's really what I noticed here. It really felt like an earlier episode, which isn't to say, oh, season two isn't good because, I mean, I've seen season two plenty of times. I know it gets better, but I'm really seeing here how they're kind of finding their foot and seeing where they want to go with the show. For the most part, it's working, but an episode like this one really just hammers it home. I think this is really going to be the beginning of season two just picking up and being less hit or miss of what we got, which I guess the only real miss I would consider would be superhero, but... This episode just very tight. I think we had all three characters firing on all cylinders. I liked the way the characters presented themselves. The kind of personality traits they had on for this episode really worked for me. And I love having the the silly villain who is just mindlessly cursing for no reason and stuff. It's pissing on the walls. And it's just fun to watch the Aqua Teens kind of deal with having a pet, maybe. Or uh, 
a small child or, or something along those lines. You know, off the top of my head, this wasn't an episode I remember being a classic, but watching it back, everything is just so tight in it. Like, there's nothing super memorable about this one, I think, maybe other than the Meatwad whole cussing scene where he's just swearing up a storm. Um, I laughed way harder at that when I watched this off mic earlier. But despite not having these huge memorable moments, the entire ride of the episode for me is just perfect. So it's a really underrated one. Not one that a lot of people talk about, but I think it's a really solid episode. I have to give this one four and a half applications out of five. That's right. Four and a half out of five. This is just a really, really strong episode. Really enjoyed this one. And again, I, I really appreciate Brooks for responding to my message about working on this episode. And I appreciate Speedbeats for his Japanese insights. Glad to bring in other information to this episode. And yeah, just really exciting. And I got to give you a reminder about next week. We don't have another deep dive. We have our community jiggle for February. And if you liked that exclusive information that we got from Brooks, well, guess what? I got a little tidbit for you straight from the milkshake man himself, straight from Dana Snyder that I'm going to tell you guys in next week's community jiggle pertaining to an earlier episode of Aqua Teen. He got back to me about a question I had. Excited to share it with you, but it doesn't make sense to do it here. So I'll see you next week for that. And remember, if you're a patron over on the Patreon feed, we'll be doing our deep dive into the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters, jumping into the movie after the intro. And I'm excited to do both. Hope to see you there. And hey, take it easy. Have a good, strong week. And got to shout out our buddies on this podcast. We got Sean, Ian, Josh, and Keenan, super supporters of the show. Hey, you guys can put your tentacle into my brain any day of the week make me say whatever you want thank you for supporting the show thank you to all the patrons thank you for listening hey see you next week bye bye Bitcha, bitcha, I lawyer.